Okay, I'm going to start it up. Aaron's trying to connect. Aaron, if you see the sheets, if you could post them into the chat, I'd appreciate it. I think they were sent out this morning. What we're going to do is hopefully, Azriel uh, Bateavon, what I want to try to do is for the next two days, so we're actually going to be live tomorrow morning as well, if you're up to seeing me. If not, you'll get a copy of it. I wanted to take a couple of days. Today's Yom HaZikaron and tomorrow's Yom HaTzimut. We're going to have a modest but hopefully meaningful program tonight in the Shul at Marib at 7.25, as well as a special davening tomorrow morning. But we're going to try to do some Torah, which is the greatest way to pay tribute, both to the Kedoshim of our Chayalim, as well as to dedication to Torah Yisrael, Medina Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael. And I thought what I would do, as I did before Pesach, is use some teachings from some of the great ones that we lost this year. I've called the series Lost But Not Forgotten. So this is actually part of two series. It's the Tefillah year, as well as the Lost But Not Forgotten series. That's just for my own uh, bookkeeping. And today we're going to focus on some Torah from Rav Avidan, who may not be as well known as some of the other pictures that appeared in the poster before Pesach. I'll give you a very brief bio, and I was saving him for Yom HaZikaron and Yom HaTzimuda, and I think you'll see why. Uh, Rav Avidan was the second Rosh Hashiva at Yeshiva Shalavim. That's how many people, at least who went to Shalavim, know him. But what's less known is he was born in Yerushalayim. He was a pure Hebronic. Hebron's a Yeshiva that uh, really came out of Slobodka. He's very focused on Talmud Torah in a very intensive way, but also Gadlud Adam, you know, raising the, the stature of human beings. You see a real Slobotkinik, the way they dress. Rav Avidan was very sharp. A yeshiva person is supposed to be a model of hopefully a good behavior. Dress is a reflection of that. We'll get into that a little bit tomorrow as well. But Rav Avidan, I think it was a year before 1967 war, he decided to leave his, I'd say, more closed yeshiva environment, which he never left fit from, a, from a spiritual perspective, and he engaged into the Israeli army. He went very high up. He was an aluf. He was the number two in the Rav Harashi of Tzahal, I believe, to uh, Rav Gad Navon, who was after Rav Gorin and Rav Mordechai Piron was the chief rabbi of Tzahal. The chief rabbi of Tzahal is different than the chief rabbi of the country. It, it's a very important position as well with many divisions. And you know they have to deal with very sensitive issues. And Rav, Rav Avidan, who was really a Talmud Muvak of Rev Yashiv, that's not something that he said, that's something that Rev Yashiv's Talmudin pointed out. He always kept as much as possible Tzahal and, and Halacha grounded. And even when emotionally, sometimes things were very difficult. And he was a very close confidant of Rev Yashiv. And he has many Svarim. I'm going to jump into something today from his Sefer uh, Masa Bahar. I was fortunate to have somewhat of a personal relationship with him, both from my time at Shalavim. He was also very close with Norman and Helene Stark in, in, in a personal way. They were very dear friends. So there were times that he would come here, uh, not just to see Shalom Baum, but mostly to see the Starks. I don't know if anyone here recalls, he, he spoke in the shul many, many years ago. I'm going to tell you a story, even though it's being recorded, and this is going to be an introduction to the shear. 
when he, when he came to the shul, he, he called me, I'm not going to tell you the whole conversation, but he called me after davening um, over. He said, I'd like to speak to you, Shalom, Reb Shalom. He gave a lot of respect to me for some reason. And he was very upset. I saw the veins in his face. He was like, he was red in his face. And it connects to our shir today. I said, Rav Avigdan, what could have I possibly have done? So he heard in the shul a Misha Berach being said for certain captive soldiers of Tzaha. I'm not going into all the details. And he was very disturbed by it. I don't think I've ever told the story publicly. So this is quasi publicly. And I said, yeah, we're still saying it. We still have hope. He said, you don't understand. In the particular case that we're discussing, I paskin based on evidence, scientific evidence, medical evidence, halachic evidence, that these captives are not alive. And he said, worse than hope is false hope. It's sheker. It's not giving an honest evaluation to people. And he was very passionate about it. There were certain changes that were made, at least by me, after that. So this question came to him. He was, he was very, in 1973, he already had a very important position in the Rabbanut of Tzahal. And if you look here, this would be beautiful for uh, Yom Azikaron, meaningful for Yom Azikaron. You know, when a chayal goes away, if anyone here has family in the army, whether they're going away for a weekend or whether they're going away for a war, you know what the mothers and the fathers as well, they're hoping the child returns. But what happens if a child is taken as a captive? In 1973, there were many, we, I think we call them POWs. In, in Hebrew, it's Shvuyim. And Baruch Hashem, a number returned, right? They're very complicated halachic situations. How do you do exchanges? Remember the Gilad Shali case, and I'm not paskening any, any particular case, but these are very complicated shikulim. The Gemara discusses this, the calculations that have to be made to be podet, what's called a Shevi, someone who is in captivity. And I remember hearing many years ago from Rav Nevensal, or reading from Rav Nevensal, this is when Gilad Shali was still in captive. I said this one year on Tisha B'av, how our obligation of that's coming up in Parshas Kedoshim, we have to imagine that we are Gilad Shalit. That's what he said back then, that we're sitting in some dungeon somewhere with a gun at our heads. And that's our responsibility to the Chayalim as well. When we daven for their welfare and when they're taken captive or they're going through different challenges. So the question that came to him, I'll start today and tomorrow's year, which again, I'm going to go live tomorrow if you could join us. We're gonna, if we don't finish this today, we'll continue, but I'm gonna share something, maybe a little bit more upbeat from Rav Rabinovich, who is the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva in Malia Dumim, very important. He was an Ola from Montreal to England, then to Eretz Yisrael. So these are the two Gedolim that are still with us and they're gonna inspire us the next two days. So if you look in the sheet, I give you the name of the Sefer on top. This is one of his Svarim, he has many other Svarim, I'm fortunate to have an inscription in some of them from Ravavi Dam when he came to visit. And this is the question that you have in the middle of the page, uh, on the top of the page, second uh, source. Sheila, this is the question. If someone is fortunate enough to get their child returned alive, we're going to see a situation below. We know that uh, with Yona Baumel, when the family was informed, I think it was in April 2019, that at least his remains were returned. There was also a question that came up. 
So what bracha should be said? You have to understand the context. We're halachic Jews. Remember when Rav Ramon was here a couple of years ago? So someone in the shul said, who's asking all these questions? Chayalim, when they're in the army or their families, anything should be allowed. Ones Rachman and Patre. So Rav Ramon said, aside from the fact that you need to give halachic answers to questions, the soldiers, and I'm saying in this context, their families as well, they're not looking just for any heter in the world. It's not just about emotion. Part of what anchors them and strengthens them is their allegiance to the halachic system, at least those that are connected to it. And you know, as many stories as we hear of religious chayalim, they go into the army and maybe they don't come out as strong religiously. It's a very challenging environment. That's sometimes true in the short term. But there is many stories of, of I don't like to call them chilonim, the Lubavitch Rebbe would, would slap me in the face, but less dati, so-called, they're not dati yet, who are inspired in the army and started asking more questions. So the question is, if you get out, uh, if you're released from captivity, a chayal is fortunate to be released from captivity, what do you do about it? We want to have a reaction. So I would have answered what he suggests is actually what you're not supposed to do and was very popular in the 70s. Maybe it's popular as well today as I'm going to show you. Shamanu, we've heard, you know, every single morning we say, blessed be Hashem, who releases the bound. We say that as part of chakras. It used to be said when you first got up in the morning and you said, oh my God, I actually got up today and you're able to uh, sit up. That's the Gemara and Brachos on Samach Amud Beis. All the different Brachos that now have been unified together in the Siddur. So, What's the answer? Now, I gave you a couple of just highlights from popular Israeli press. I'm not comparing or contrasting any situation over here, but this was just recently when uh, Jonathan Pollard was released. So you see that uh, Bibi Netanyahu sent out a tweet, a Twitter, I don't know, a tweet, whether he wrote it or someone wrote it. it what does it say? It's very small font. It says, V'shavu v'anam l'gvulam, Baruch matir asurim. You have another situation of a woman who was released last year from, uh, I think she was held in Russia. So again, Baruch Matir Asurim. If you look to the right-hand side from Chayal, when Gila Chalit was released, the headline in the paper was Baruch Matir Asurim. So it's a very beautiful bracha. And you know, when we say it in the morning, Baruch Matir Asurim, do we really feel that getting up in the morning, we were released from being bound. Not so much so. My alarm wakes me up, or I wake up every morning at a certain time. So this would be a perfect application. What his answer was, and again, I'm interested in this on two levels. One is just to see that emotion of being released from the army <clears throat> and from captivity is obviously incredible. You see Chayalim that want to be able to channel that emotion towards Hashem. But the role of a Rav, and that was very much Rav Avidan's personality, is it still has to be anchored in halacha. You can't say, okay, because now that we're free, we can, do, we can say whatever we want. You know, very often when you go to Eretz Yisrael, I've been on different tour buses with different groups, federation groups, all different uh, denominations. And again, I'm not saying this in a judgmental way, but... Very often, everybody says, as you're getting close to your shalayim, the, the tour guide says, okay, and now it's time to lift a cup of wine and to say bracha shechiyana with God's name. Now, again, if that's anchored in halacha, that's very beautiful. 
if it's not, then you've just taken something beautiful and you've messed it up because that's not the way Allah works. So it's good to be anchored. How do we do things? So his answer is very beautiful and gives us an appreciation of the development of halacha and how it applies today. So what I have under the pictures is the tshuva. This is more or less copied straight out from his sefer. But then what I'm going to do is share with you for the rest of the year after his answer, the analysis. He gives you the sound bites, but I did it going a little bit deeper to be able to present it. So he says like this. There's no, even though it sounds like a perfect match, you're in, you've been in prison, you were bound, and now you get out, and your life was obviously at risk. What better bracha and more emotional bracha to say than matir asurim? I mean, saying it every day doesn't really move me. Now there's a chance to, to, to move me. So he says it's totally irrelevant. And this is the, the halacha that he paskin for tzahal, or at least informing people. Again, you're not going to slap someone in the face who says a bracha. That bracha is said in the morning when you get up. That's how it was codified la halacha. And therefore he says, and you have to teach people that it's a mistake. So the question then is what should be said? And part of what happens through tefillah, if we understand tefillah in a very deep way, what is said is actually a reflection of what we're supposed to feel. It's very nice to feel, but maybe there's something even a little bit deeper that we're supposed to feel. And if we appreciate the context, then it's supposed to, as I'm about to explain, bring us back to the Beis HaMikdash, bring us back to a feeling of when something happened in the Beis HaMikdash, what happened? So we just read about this, just to give you a little introduction, in Perik Zion. What do we say in Perik Zion of uh, Vayikra? There's the Karban Toda. A person has something to give gratitude for. No matter where they were in Eretz Yisrael, they would travel to the Makam HaKadosh and they would bring a Karban Toda. Today you have such a form called the Sudas Hoda. And what we're doing in the Sudas Hadah, as the Nitziv explains, we're not showing off, look what God did to me. It's an opportunity for us publicly, because you know, you need a minion. Same with Berchus HaGomel. It's an opportunity to be Mekadeh Shem Shemayim. That's saying, despite all the challenges in this world, I believe that there's Hashkachas Hashem, that there's divine providence, and I'm going to bring a Karvan Toda. What Rav Abidan told Yisraelim is there's a bracha even greater than Matir Asurim that you should say and that you should feel. Again, I'm not comparing which brachas are great, but Matir Asurim is when you get up in the morning. That's in Hashem's hands, obviously, and hopefully you get up as well. But there's a bracha that is specifically designated <coughs> for you. And if you look into the bottom, here's the Shulchan Aruch. Lahodos is the very last source. There are four that are obligated to formally thank God. And when I say formally, not just formally, but publicly. Now, there's an interesting discussion in the Achronim. Let's say you don't actually feel gratitude. Somebody gets out of captivity and they're not feeling gratitude. You know, who knows what they went through inside? It's very nice for us to tell them they have to say a bracha. But let's say they're feeling unbelievable mental duress. And let's say at this time, there's exhaust, they're totally exhausted. 
you're actually not supposed to say, according to many of the Akronim, you don't force somebody to say Birchad HaGomel. The general rule, and many posts can follow this even today, is you have to feel that sense of gratitude. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of perspective. There may be other brachas to say. So that's what the Shulchan Aruch is saying over here. Arbat Srichim Lahodos. Yarde Hayam, somebody who comes out from the sea. Let's say you're driving, uh, not you're driving, you're the captain of a ship in uh, those wild uh, oceans now where the Iranians are attacking Israeli ships. You know, you're going to come out of there and you're going to say, Birchad Hayam. It gives other examples, right? Baholchei Midbaros, you go through a desert. Umisha Yecholev and Isrape. I told many people, again, it depended on the symptoms, but many people, we had one Shabbos here that I think three or four people said Birchas HaGomel from recovering from COVID. They didn't necessarily announce that's why they're doing it, but that's why they did it. It's an interesting question. Today, the common question is planes. Do you say it? Not say it. Where do you fly? You know, these are all questions. Let's say you were uh, driving and you had a, a fender bender. So these are the practical questions. Some people are very anxious to say Birchad HaGomel as often as possible. You know, there's a nice uh, feeling. You get up there, you get an aliyah. People say what happened. Um, maybe you feel a sense of relief. Hakar satov. But the last that's mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch, which today is very extremely relevant, is Chavosh Bevesasur and Viyatza. If you were captive in a prison and you got out, then you say Birchad HaGomel. Now, the Shulchan Aruch's intent here, based on the Gemara, was not white-collar crime, right? You were involved in a Ponzi scheme, and you went to a, a prison upstate, and you got out. Now, should that person say Birchad HaGomel? That's an interesting question. And that is discussed in the Achronim. For what types of uh, crimes, and what was the situation you were in? But as Rav Avidan says over here, and you have to understand Rav Avidan was dealing with many life and death situations, unpasculing Aguna situations. He knew very clear that not every Jewish soldier that is taken captive makes it out. He had to make certain determinations of Chayalim that were no longer alive, even though the families did not get the bodies back. And they had to sit Shiva. And that's pretty hard. Imagine you sit Shiva without a release. That's what he paskined in certain situations. When they get the body back, the, the, the goof back, you sit a day. These are the types of questions that he had to deal with. So what he says over here is there's no greater reason to say Berchel HaGomel and to really mean it in our time than this time. What does Berchel HaGomel mean? It says it straight out in the Shulchan Aruch to spell it out. Blessed be Hashem who bestows benefits upon the culpable, who has bestowed all goodness upon me. And then if you look in the Shulchan Aruch, the next line, which is the, in the, on the second page, the second source, Hashomim, and those that are there, Omrim say, we know this, that Hashem, what you've done should continue to bestow good on this person forever. It's a beautiful bracha. You know, we just say it sometimes very practically, very uh, automatically. So this is what Rav Avidan said. That's the bracha. What I'm trying to do with it is to also give us an appreciation when you don't see a person for a while, especially a chayal, whether it's time to say Birchad HaGomel every time they come back or not, the answer is going to be no. From captivity, obviously the answer is yes, but just to have an appreciation to see a, a human being when sometimes they go off to the army and we don't see them. You see what's happening today in Yom HaZikaron in Israel, and a lot of these parents and siblings and children 
and spouses, right? They never imagined that the kid wasn't coming home that day or their husband wasn't coming home or their son or their daughter, whatever it may be. It gives us a deeper appreciation. Now, there is a fascinating, I'll just, because I have a few more minutes, there are other bracha opportunities that he discusses in this tshuva. And he's encouraging people to have brachos on their mind. You know, there's an interesting question that comes up now. If you look into the Shulchan Aruch in the middle of the second page, what does it say? It says, uh, If you something really exciting happens to you, there are times that you're going to say, And if they happen not only to you, but to others, then you say a bracha of hatova meitiv. We're most familiar with this. If during the, the drink of, of a meal, you have a better wine than you had kiddush, so you say hatova meitiv. But if you look into the Rambam where he discusses this, I don't have all the source in front of you. There's, as Rav Avidan explains, a much more fundamental expression of shechiyanu utova meitiv. What is that? A chayal gets out and he says, here's your ultimate situation. A chayal gets out. In addition to Birchas HaGomel, when the family is first informed by the Red Cross or by Tzahal, which is most likely that their child is alive after suspecting that maybe they were killed, you, the family should say, means that good was done for me, and good was done for someone else. That's the way Ravavi Don Paskin. If you're the only one experiencing it, if it was a chayal bodeh and no family, then he says shechiyana. So I'm not going through all the details of the halacha, but to just get an appreciation, that's what this is reinforcing, of what does it mean to see someone who you haven't seen in a while? The most extreme example that we're presenting is a chayal. We happen to have other examples of that. It's an interesting question someone asked me. They haven't seen a grandparent for more than a year. So if you look at the last source in the Shulchan Aruch, this is actually a halacha today. If you haven't seen someone in 30 days, Omer you're supposed to say Shechiyano. Now, it's good for you. It's not necessarily good for anyone else. You're not going to assume it's good for him. So you say Shechiyano. Look what it says here. Just to show you the vulnerability of not seeing someone for a year. Now, most postkim and shalom bound paskins, we don't really say this today if you've been in touch with someone. If I've had Zooms with my mother, even though I didn't see her in a year, which is not true, I wouldn't say Mechaya Mason because we have contact. But then you go to the Chayal example, and the Chayal example is someone who there's totally a disconnect and to appreciate every time the vulnerability that the family feels. Now, the Shulchan Aruch in the very end says, The only time you're going to say any of these brachos, hagomel separately, is if you actually feel that sense of affection. That's why I think today, since we're seeing people consistently, we're not going to necessarily have that feeling that would generate the bracha. What I wanted to share with you just as the last piece is if you look in the middle, it's in a small font, Netanyahu, Nifgash, Mishpachto, right? What happened was Zechariah Baumel, who was taken captive in 1982. I met his father, Yonah Baumel. I'm sure many did as well. We didn't know what happened to him. There were different opinions of what happened. 
uh, Arafat at one point turned over half of his, uh, what do you call it, you put around the neck? Right, he turned over the dog, the dog, uh, forgot exact term, he turned it over to uh, Yitzhak Rabin. In 2019, I think with some help from Russia, and I'm sure a lot of deals that were made, they were able to release his remains to the family. The family sat uh, Shiva, I think for one day in that situation. And you have, there's a beautiful video, you can see the video, powerful, profound video of Zachariah Baumels, unfortunately the father who fought forever to try to have a return of him alive or not alive, didn't get to see this event. So you have the sister of Zachariah Baumel meeting Bibi Netanyahu. And she says to Bibi Netanyahu, not only is this an opportunity of for me, but it's a time for the bracha of Tova Metiv for the entire Israel, because this is not just my simcha, again, very bittersweet simcha, but it's an opportunity for the whole country. That's exactly the halacha that is uh, codified here and as explained by Rav Avidan. You have actually below a picture from 1967 of Rav Avidan together with Yitzchak Rabin. What you have, as I presented today, and we'll continue tomorrow with a bit of a more upbeat piece from Rav Nachman Rabinovich to understand the sanctity of an Israeli uniform. An Israeli uniform actually, as we'll show you, it's not gonna be so far out, has certain halachas of big day kahuna. An Israeli military camp will have the halachas to a certain extent of a Beit Knesset. That's what we're going to do tomorrow in the positive, something that we can only appreciate in our time that our grandparents and great-grandparents would only yearn for. And part of what happens on Yom HaZikaron, as we'll do tonight in Shul, is we not only say a Kalmole for all of the Chayalim, including those we mentioned here today, that were taken from us, but we also pray that all Chayalim should be able to return to their family and that the, we shouldn't have to have Birchas HaGomel after they've been taken into captivity. So thank you everyone for who, those of that are here live. If you want to join us again tomorrow at eight o'clock, if not, you can get a recording of both Shi'ar. Thank you very much everyone for joining us. Okay, have a great day.